Christmas too. Welcome to Freightonomics. What more can you ask for? <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for joining us uh, today here on the show. Or if you're listening, thanks for listening. Uh, Zach Strickland, head of freight market intelligence. Anthony Smith, chief economist here. Uh, and we're heading into Christmas. Anthony, this is like this is a weird time of year. I was talking to several people, customers in the space. Uh, and it, and they all kind of, it's, it's funny now that I get to kind of broaden my horizons and get out of my cube, cubicle bubble that I was in for years. <laughs> and I get to hear all the other perspectives. And it's funny how aligned we all are in our, like, our ability to kind of understand what's happening around us. Like, it's, yeah. it's all kind of the same thing. Like, it, it happens to be this, like, weird mix of laziness <laughs> and urgency. <laughs> like... They know that we got to get to the holiday right. and get the stuff out <laughs> and get something out right. before they're leaving. But right. they don't want to put all the effort into it. <laughs> yeah. And it's almost like it's almost like calling people's bluff and people kind of being in motion on a few things like, you know, something's coming up. Let me pass this one forward to the next stage. Yeah. And if they don't do anything with this project, I'm OK with that. But then they do something with it. And it's just kind of like this lazy game of tennis happening right now. Let me just like, get the bare minimum out the door <laughs> so I can get out the door uh, with it. But uh, yeah, I think all the transportation service providers want for Christmas is a flipped market, right? <laughs> I would I would say that's that's accurate. Um, and, and it's interesting. So as you mentioned, kind of getting into this market and there's just been so much activity. I don't know if you saw the essentially chief economist for the United States, Jay Powell, with his uh, this interview that he did as he addressed the nation. After well, the actually, decision. I saw a summary of it. Sorry. I mean, I watch it. he hit all the, the, the bingo, I think, cues of a dual mandate and uh, data first and all those other talking points and definitely want to combat the inflation ongoing problem while keeping, uh, you know, price stability there, but also addressing the oversupply in the, the, the employment sector. But it's just all these talking points. But um, mm -hmm. the market reacted in a very bullish way. And last week, we we're talking about this mindset kind of going into it and how it can be dangerous because we have folks that are already calling for a soft landing. Mm -hmm. And we just had an upward revision in the GDP for third quarter up to over 5% now. Big number. It's a big number. And as an economist, I've seen different trends. I've made, I can't count how many forecasts, all of them great. And one of the big things that you know as a forecaster is you don't call for the trough right after you hit the peak. I mean, you can do like a three-year outlook but calling for, all right, this is the, the, the trough, but you're at a peak yeah. is very interesting strategies. And it's a dangerous mindset for individuals and also for a lot of companies because we're starting to see that there's still layoffs happening. Yeah, and, 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 didn't, he, and didn't he signal for three rate cuts? That was the, sure? the results from Which some of the voting. Seems insane to me. Mm -hmm. am, am, I, am I off base here? Because aren't interest rates supposed to be a slow like maneuver? <laughs> 
It has to be slow. And also, we don't know if he also said that they're keeping hikes on the table just in case, because we never know what might happen in this crazy economy. But if there are those three cuts coming up in the next year, it's going to be interesting to see, okay, when these happen, is it going to be as soon as the first quarter? And if so, will it be a quarter basis points? Will it be a half basis point? Because what will be that tapering off? And will that tapering off undo some of the work that is done on getting inflation down? Because that's the scary point, because it's easier to create inflation than it is to get it under control. It's, it's hard to put that inflation genie back in the bottle, as they say. So as we look at that, that's going to be one of the big questions is, do the consumers get too hot? Yeah going into this period and does the employment market hold up because that's the big thing holding everything together is going to be the labor market well you know who has some opinions on this and who well also what we need to thank who we need to thank for being a sponsor continued sponsor the thompson reuters uh in the 2023 corporate global trade survey report from thompson reuters is here And you don't want to miss this. Navigate the ever-changing trade environment with insights into hot topics like skills gap, ESG reporting, ongoing and upcoming industry developments, and more by getting your free copy today. Download now at the link on your screen. Uh, I did download it. (laughs) I I did download it because it does have, like, it it actually has some really good, uh, I say that like I'm shocked, (laughs) but I'm not. Like, it's got some pretty decent stuff in there. Um, in terms of overall trends uh, right. for what to expect. And I mean, why would you not expect that um, from this, uh, from Thomson Reuters? So, I, I mean, it's, there There are some interesting things. I think I've become a little less bearish mm-hmm. about 2024, not because of, and, and again, all forecasts are opinion. <laughs> right. uh, but yes, the economy is going to slow. I, I think naturally it has to, uh, I think it is in the process of slowing. I don't know what to make of 5.2% GDP. <laughs> um, but I feel like COVID and the pandemic has created so much economic opportunity to create value. Mm-hmm. There's so much inefficiency now present in the world. <laughs> and that itself, the the process of solving that inefficiency creates opportunity for economic value production. And I think that's going to help us kind of not fall into a complete pit right. of despair, if you will. That's just my opinion. Well, uh, I, but we also have Dr. Rogers. Yeah. We got to get our market in two in. So oh, you wanna, I got to count you in. You got to count me in and let's and get Dr. Rogers up here and three, we'll get on with it. Two, one, go. All right. First chart of the day, OTVI, demand, demand, demand. It is up above 2022 and 2019 in the green and orange lines. Uh, we are up above 2018, uh, if I, if I put it on here, but I didn't, uh, the COVID pandemic demand cycle, we're still well below that from a total tender perspective. If we go to the next chart, CLAV, this puts this into a little bit more perspective. CLAV is the accepted tenders only OTVI includes rejected tenders. If you look at this from a pure accepted perspective, we're only 8%, six to 8% below where we were last year, (laughs) or I'm sorry, in 2021, (laughs) We are well above where we were last year in terms of accepted volumes, and we're approximately 10 to 12% below peak accepted volumes that we had in 2021. We are not far away from that, and nobody can tell because 
uh, we pull up, you know, I, well, one one particular piece of this I want to pull up, LOTVI on the next chart here. Look at what's driving it. Long haul tender volumes. That's that white line. And then you ha we have a little bit of a spike of short haul tender volumes or local volumes, if you will, COTVI spiking up there, which we normally see right before Christmas, because that's that fulfillment freight going that downstream provider that hopefully Dr. Rogers gets to talk to us about here in just a second. Uh, but long haul freight has been the story of the back half of 2023, and it continues into an unseasonable period. Let's go to the, uh, the next chart here. Outbound tender rejection index. This is why nobody can tell. <laughs> this is this is where the the Newman meme comes in. See, nobody cares that demand <laughs> is high. Tender rejection rates continue to be well below a, an area that anybody's going to be able to tell. There's a ton of instability because all that all that volume is staying under contracted uh, capacity agreements. It's not falling into the spot market. Cares are happy and willing and capable to take almost all that freight, and it doesn't look like it's making a strong move just yet. But I will say this, December 15th, mm. which is tomorrow if you're watching live, <laughs> uh, is typically the day that rejection rates begin their seasonal trek higher. <laughs> Got you. And, and so, Zach, when we're looking at, because there's things that we can kind of infer from different lengths of haul, whether it'll be short haul, we're seeing different things happening on a distribution warehousing side. Mm -hmm. What is something that we can kind of infer from long haul? Yeah, long haul tends to be that replenishment freight. And I think I showed it last week where it's coming from the ports, you know, the port cities. You know, we've got Los Angeles, Long Beach, obviously the strongest one in the United States. Uh, Ontario volumes growing, but also Dallas. Dallas is also seeing a bit of a, a growth uh, rate. Atlanta, not so much. Um, so very West Coast centric. That is a nuance that is going to be interesting to monitor moving forward because normally Los Angeles freight dies in the winter. You know who's still alive? Who's still on? Colorado State. They're yes. still kicking. Yes. Even though they're not going bowling, <laughs> they are still uh, an Almost beat exhibition. Colorado. They year. almost beat Colorado. Almost beat Coach. And Ron. we have one of their very best here to join us today. Let's bring him on. We have Dr. Yeah. Zach Rogers. There he is. There's the man Let's with go. the plan. 25. <laughs> so. <laughs> Let's go. He's already moved on. <laughs> Can't pick and choose. He's already moved yeah, on. <laughs> look, we're, not, we're not one of your fancy schools that's going to be good at all the sports, okay? We can do one. Uh, that's well, fine. you're in Colorado, too, so you can go skiing and not have to worry about it either. You've got, <laughs> you've got other things to do, which is probably better. Well, that's thank right. you. For... You, know, you, know, I, you can <laughs> tell I have other things to do is I'm, uh, you know, I'm going with my freight wave zip up on the bottom and my uh, what the truck on the top because I found out I was doing this show about 20 minutes ago. Uh, but I'm happy to be here. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for, uh, for joining us today. So let's get right into it, man. Um, you know, I was going to talk about an article, uh, that actually quoted one of your colleagues, Susan, uh, Galicic, Galic, Galicic, yeah. mm -hmm. apologize if I totally Galicic. murdered that name. The uh, he, State supply chain group. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the, Rachel Premack, of course, said that we're still at risk for another everything shortage uh, because supply chains have basically gone all the way back <laughs> to where they were uh, outside of one thing, one little tidbit, which is the lead time uh, situation, which has expanded and stayed up since 2019, a strange little nuance uh, that's reflected in our tender data. But the thing I want to kind of ask you about here uh, on top of the LMI readings for November 
is do you think that there is some validity to this statement? Do you think that shipping behavior has, even though we've talked about de-risking as a big component of 2023, do you think that we've actually kind of reverted back into this space where we are still at pretty strong risk for supply shortages for good? Well, we've moved back, we've moved back to JIT for sure. Yeah. Um, and if you look at retail, you know, the, the, the retail, the, the things that brought the LMI down this month was decreases in inventory and, you know, inventory is supposed to go down in November and December. That's, that's the way that it should work. And so that's what we're seeing. I don't think that it's the same risk with, uh, like it being a replay of 2020 or 21. And the reason why is yes, inventories are down. They declined this month. Uh, in the November report, they were, they were at 44. Now for, for downstream, for retailers and stuff, they're basically a, a 49, 48.8, which a 48.8 is exactly what JIT looks like. Uh, so that's good. Um, but, but the thing that I, that's not the same is transportation. Uh, so the problem in 2020 and 21 was we were short on goods and we had no transportation capacity. Right now, we have transportation capacity uh, and prices are low. And, and, and so I don't think that we are in a risk of suddenly it's, it's March of 2020 and you go to the grocery store and, and all they have is like the weird kind of soup because uh, everyone already bought the good ones. Like I, I don't we're not going to move towards that again, unless something drastic happens. So yes, uh, it, it might be a bit of a shock to some people because we went from having the most inventory we've ever had to now we're back to a, a sort of a just-in-time model. But we're not in the sort of scarcity bracket that we were uh, in early 2020 or 2021. It, it doesn't seem like that to me. And one of the interesting things that I saw here, because we talk about, of course, available capacity on the road, we look at outbound tender rejection index. Zach, Zach just talked about it and the market in two. And all the times when I'm on calls or if I'm in Sonar, a lot of times I'll put up OTRI versus um, some LMI indices. And one of them, of course, is going to be transportation capacity and some of the relationships or inverse relationships that kind of appear there. And what we saw was an increase of 5.2 in transportation capacity. And that just kind mm. of seemed like a drastic jump there. So, yeah. So transportation capacity moved from 56.7 in October to 61 in uh, November. Now, again, most of that is driven upstream. If, if you look downstream, our capacity number was 59. And then upstream is was 65 and a half. And so a lot of the growth is driven upstream. And if you think about it, that kind of makes sense because things have mostly gotten through the ports at this point. Things have moved downstream towards retailers and their distribution, their fulfillment centers. And so I, I think it makes sense, seasonally speaking, that we, we've seen this, this move for specific parts of, um, of the economy. Now, that being said, there's, there's certainly things like, you know, Zach, when you were talking about, about long haul and what that's doing, that's, that's different. Um, but, but the other thing to remember, even though capacity is, is up, is we've, we've seen uh, positive movements in utilization for the last three months. And then this month, we're at 50. And now 50 doesn't mean um, you know, that we're using less trucks. It actually means that we're using the same amount of, of, of available capacity as we were um, as we were last month. And so I, I think for the most part, 
transportation is kind of doing what it should be doing at this part of the year, but things are certainly lighter. You know, we, we don't have the inventory buildup that we did in 22 or 21. And so while we are utilizing capacity, I, I think at a, a healthy rate, we still have a lot of unused capacity because we overbuilt during the last few years. So, you know, in terms of, of spot rates versus contract rates, I mean, I, I think it's, it's partly that, you know, who wants to sign a, uh, if, if you're a carrier right now, um, you may be, be leaning into to uh, spot rates because probably, you know, contracts are going to get a lot better for you in the next six months. And so I, I don't know that it's necessarily, I, I, you know, Anthony, you said you like to do OTVI versus the LMI. I, I, don't, I don't like when our boys fight. I, I think of them as complimentary. And, and really, they're, they're supporting each other. Uh, and, and, uh, and I think if you dig into the nuance, some of the differences we see probably make a little bit of sense. Oh, no, our, our boys don't fight. I, I wrote an article about it. <laughs> I, uh, I think I even correlated it uh, with the capacity and utilization numbers to our OTRI, and it almost explained it perfectly. Uh, so uh, something I want to kind of hit on, because we have this demand side situation in our mm -hmm. OTVI figure. And, you know, you just said, it looks like capacity still widely available. Well, there are two different things in my mind uh, in general. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to break down what this, what to make of this demand side growth. Do you think, I think one of the main storylines of the year, and I think we were all expecting this, this inventory correction <laughs> that we've seen manifest, yeah. how much of this demand side growth is a product of that demand side, that inventory just in time, you know, reversion? And how much of it is, kind of a natural growth in the economy, do you think? I think it's both. We, we have certainly a natural growth in the economy. You know, uh, rates of inflation have, have slowed down pretty considerably. Um, and the, the other thing that's interesting is if you look at where inflation has really slowed down, it's in the stuff you're going to buy for the holidays, like, uh, you know, toys, electronics, apparel, all the inflation that was baked into those products has, has subsided, essentially. And you're still seeing it maybe for things like grocery. But but for like consumer type, you know, Christmassy holiday goods, a lot of that's gone. And I think people have a little more spending power than they did before. And part of that is because inventories are, are leaner, actually. You know, uh, the driver, I know we've talked about this in, in other episodes, the driver of inflation in 2022 was supply side inflation. And our total aggregate supply costs are down very considerably, like 100 points lower than they were uh, in the summer of 2022, which tells you that the cost that was associated with holding all this stuff has kind of subsided. And so I think some of it is a, a natural growth that comes from people having a little more purchasing power. And then also, you know, it's still going to be Christmas on December 25th. People are still going to go out and buy things. Now, they are buying more things with like, you know, buy now, pay later <laughs> than, than we've seen in the past. So that's maybe something to monitor. Um, but but for the most part, I, I think this is sort of a natural movement uh, of growth. And then there has been some decline, you know, I mean, uh, there has been some disappearing, I think, of capacity uh, in transportation, even though we still probably have too much. I think we have less idle capacity than we had in the summer, partly from closures and then, you know, uh, acquisitions or, or whatever else it is. And so basically what's happening is, if you think about where we were a year ago, we had supply way up here and demand way down here. Supply has come down a little bit. Demand has moved up. We're not at equilibrium yet, 
but we're getting closer to the place where these things can be happy. Now, obviously, if, if you're uh, if you're in the freight market, you would actually like maybe demand to be a little higher than supply, and we're a ways from that still. But we're we're getting closer to equilibrium than we have been, and it's because of supply coming down and demand moving up. As we're talking about where things are headed, one of the other big aspects I love about the report is future expectations. And can you talk to some of that? Because I know some of your respondents seem a little bit more optimistic about some of the coming months, and it's a little bit more focused on some of those upstreams, right? It's nice that now you like the report and you're not making our metrics fight. I think that's real growth from you. So <laughs> They're always complimentary. I love them. It's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, no, our, our, our future predictions are good. Um, uh, and our, so the overall LMI came in at 57.4 uh, for, the, for the next 12 months, which would be a, a moderate rate of growth. And here's what I think is the most interesting thing that's being predicted. Inventory right at 50.0 which is, is beautiful. That, that's exactly what I'm teaching my logistics classes. I'm like, that, that's exactly where you want your inventory to be because that is perfect JIT. Things are coming in, they're going out. Now, will we really be at 50? Probably no. But, but the fact that we're, that's what we're going for, I think shows a real sea change in the way people are thinking. And this is, this is nature healing itself. This is a perfect return to normal for it to be 50.0. Now, that doesn't mean that all of our, our, our issues are solved because we we still don't have, even the warehousing capacity is expected to grow at a 56, there's still not enough. Uh, there's still not enough given, uh, you know, uh, move towards e-commerce and where you need warehouses. And so we see uh, predictions for warehousing prices at 65.3, which is pretty much par for the course. Um, you know, there was a, an article in the Wall Street Journal this week about Prologis saying, basically, yeah, things are still great. <laughs> and, uh, and clearly they are, you know, we've never seen that number go down for warehousing price and it doesn't look like it will anytime soon. The last piece uh, that we should talk about is, um, transportation. Transportation capacity is predicted to be at a 48, uh, over the next, the next 12 months, which would mean capacity down slightly now, and there won't be less trucks. There will probably be more trucks, but what that means is we're talking about equilibrium. What we're predicting is this, so let's say this one's demand, this one's supply. Now we're moving to the place where demand might be above supply by a little bit because things are picking back up. And I think that's also evidenced in um, transportation prices uh, being predicted to be at a 65.8, which would be a, you know, they haven't, transportation prices haven't grown uh, for us since April of 2022, which is sort of the beginning of our, our freight recession we're in. And so this is pretty optimistic uh, that these these numbers could be up by oh sorry sixty three point eight not sixty five point eight uh, that these numbers could be up by essentially twenty points uh, in the next year and, and I think that's reflective of people expecting the Fed is going to cool it you know that that last meeting was pretty dovish they're not saying yeah we're going to cut rates but people are now expecting hey maybe in March maybe things start to come down a little bit and just anecdotally from the people I'm talking to you know if we think about when transportation prices are going to invert with transportation capacity. And anytime those two lines invert for us, that's a freight inversion. And when we think the freight market is flipped, we're hearing, we're hearing people say, yeah, Q2 is what they're hoping. Now, will that happen? And I, I don't know for sure, but I think people think we're going to get to the end of the spring. Interest rates might be down slightly. Um, and we're going to be building up for back to school. We're going to be at this point a year into JIT you know, because because we can say that we started JIT this summer, but we were starting JIT with still all this extra inventory. 
once you've had a year of JIT, now that leanness can work all the way through the system. And so if we've had a year of JIT, inflation is down, back to school. That's when we think we might start to see normal freight patterns coming back in and a real utilization of the capacity that would lead to uh, the freight market to flip back to uh, a period of growth. So you literally have given a lot of transportation service providers all they wanted for Christmas, which is a prediction of a market turn. Uh, looks like Q3 uh, of next year in 2024. Am I reading that right? <laughs> I, I think, uh, yeah. I, so I, I'm, I'm thinking in the summer. I, and, and as we talk to people, you know, we, we hear different things. But if you kind of average it together, it's, you know, I mean, it's not like we're going to come out here and be like, hey, guys, June 2nd, look out. <laughs> right. Better. But like, but at some point, it, it does seem like people are predicting we're going to get to this summer. And, you know, as long as we don't have another crazy black swan event, um, things things will will turn around. And, no, and I, what's I think funny. It, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, please. <laughs> I would say the last thing that's 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 funny about that is our more optimistic folks right now are actually upstream. So, you know, we've been really pushed by the retailer uh, for the last year. They've been kind of what's been fl- holding everything up. Upstream is actually predicting greater levels of growth over the next year. And I think that's encouraging on a lot of levels because really you need both sides of the economy if you're going to have true growth and, and, and uh, you know, activity in the freight market. Oh, man. Oh, man. This is big stuff. So for those of you that aren't familiar with the LMI, check it out. Uh, you know, tell them where to look at it, Dr. Rogers. Uh, Z-LMI.com. Uh, the last year of reports are up there free for anybody to see. You can also send me an email. Uh, if you want to get on the list. Also, if you're a Sonar subscriber, you have access to it. That's so, right. Uh, but I think that's a huge call. Uh, 65 for expectation on transportation prices in 2024. That's massive. <laughs> and those future expectations usually turn out pretty well. I mean, 